You are listening to The Itch Rock Matters. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And, you know, one of the greatest parts about working with you guys is having a chat that we have constantly going on throughout the day. Now, it is annoying, too, because you guys apparently have less to do than I do. But one of the bonuses about this chat is being able to share music with you guys and getting your immediate reaction, since obviously we don't, you know, we're not right next to each other and we don't get to see each other every Sunday night. So the one time that I left my house this week, I was blown away because I got in the, the car and I didn't have my phone with me. So it didn't connect and start playing my digital music. And on the radio, the song started playing. And I immediately, I knew it was Grandson. And I knew it was a brand new song because I'm very familiar with Grandson's music. And I had never, ever heard this song. And so I was I, I was just blown away because I was hearing it on St. Louis radio. And, and I mean, that just doesn't happen. I don't hear new music on St. Louis radio. That's not where I get my music from anyway. Uh, so... I was kind of wanting to talk about that real quick about uh, if you know what you guys thought about that new song called Heat Seeker by Dreamers featuring Grandson. I thought it was real good. I, I'm not that familiar with Dreamers. So I was trying I was trying to figure out if he was singing on a good portion of the track and then Grandson came in later. I, I wasn't really sure, but it's sounded exactly like a Grandson song. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm not as familiar with Grandson as you guys are. And I wasn't familiar with Dreamers at all, but I'm for artist collaboration and artists introducing the world to each other and like overlapping their audiences and whatnot. And it made for a pretty sweet song. So I'm hoping it raises both of their profiles. Dreamers per Wikipedia is a, uh, a pop rock band from New York. They've been around since 2014. They're a three piece band. And uh, at least one of them was a, a music school student who uh, who used to study jazz saxophone. So they probably know their music. And also jazz saxophone would be super fun. And I hope their albums have some of that in there. They have two albums. And the first one is called This Album Does Not Exist. So, so right. if one were to ask, do they have any albums? Uh, at that point, it would be a very tough question to answer. <laughs> we have this one, but... <laughs> yeah. Their second album was released a year, about a year ago. It's called Launch Fly Land. And then uh, this new single, Heat Seeker, was just just very, very recently released. You know, if there's anybody that we need to hear from right now, especially with everything that's going on with all the uh, protests and and uh, with the sad murder of uh, another black man at the hands of, of police, there's nobody better, I think, to talk about that than than Grandson. Uh, one of his songs is actually directly related to that, called Six O'Clock, and it's it, it's very powerful. Just just hearing uh, his lyrics, it's it's powerful because it's it's so relevant. And yet, I mean, this song came out probably two years ago, and you know, obviously, nothing's been done since then. It keeps happening. The first lines of that song is, there's no difference between you and I. We share the same sunshine from the same sky, which is quite beautiful. Yep. Uh, it's also the same thing in the second verse. There's no difference between you and I. Same space and time that we occupy. See, I'm not very familiar with Grandson. I know um, every year or so, it seems like like you guys, as you do the radio show, pick sort of a, a new artist kind of hops up and really grabs your collective attention. And it seems like for the past year or so, Grandson's been the guy for that. And so songs like this one that you just mentioned, the six o'clock and then hearing Heat Seeker, 
that's the kind of stuff that makes me want to look into him because it's somebody that clearly has both talent and a voice. Well, and also he's released like three EPs within the last year and a half, so he kind of keeps everything relevant. That's definitely one of the benefits of of releasing EPs, which is something we can come back to um, later for our flavor of the week as well. We will, because their EP pissed me off. (laughs) (laughs) We can definitely get to that. But yeah, I think Casey touched, made a very good point right there with the idea of Grandson. Yeah, he's released a whole bunch of of short EPs, as EPs usually are, four songs or so, it seems like. And that allows you to stay right on top of things when you don't have to do 10, 12, 14 tracks worth of, of work over a span of however many months that it usually takes. Well, we've always talked about you know, people being inspired and writing about what they're inspired by. This is a guy who gets inspired by everything around him, uh, mm. all kinds of political things. Uh, one of my other favorite songs of his is Thoughts and Prayers. It's about school shootings. It's basically the same thing. All, all people keep offering is just thoughts and prayers. Nobody's actually offering a solution. And that's, yeah. why, that's why I really like him, because he just continues to call it out. And you know, like I, I was saying, with the Six O'Clock song was written about uh, Eric Gardner. The verse is actually... Till we get reciprocity, how can we stand by? Yesterday I turned on the TV, I saw another man down. He was screaming, he can't breathe no more. He held his hands high, but then he got struck down. Oh, he got struck down. And it's the same exact situation. I saw the body drop on the six o'clock. So basically he's saying that I, I watched this guy die on the news. And that's exactly what's going on right now. That's exactly what sparked all these protests and all the outrage that, you know, everybody that is in that situation has more than a right to be upset. I can honestly say I I can't understand what they're going through because I'm not in that situation and I will never understand that. But the only thing that I can do is just try to, um, you know, sorry, hold on for a second. The only thing that I can try to do is just try to be a voice and uh, hope that I can do everything in my power to start changing uh, the world and, you know, one person at a time, even if it's, if it's one person, you know, it, it's still the step in the right direction. Yeah. And man, for one, like I'm, I'm just always attracted to artists that are compassionate and sensitive to those kind of things. Like my grandson writing a song about here's what it feels like to see, to hear the news of something like this happening. And even though chances are he isn't directly connected to any of the you know, people, the victims of these things or anything like that, it still is a gut punch or should be anyway. And um, to turn around and use that to, to try to communicate truth to people and to express that kind of stuff to people like, yeah, there's, there's something good about artists using their voices to uh, express things that society needs to hear. When he just gets it, I mean, the further in the song, you know, it's exactly what's happening right now. The the breakdown of the song is basically, you know, I won't give no fucks. I won't take no shit. Try to burn me down. Get this whole place lit. They want war. This is it. Let the body drop. I mean, so it's that's mm. I mean, I you couldn't say it better than that right there as to what's going on right now. Well, and he, uh, grandson's uh, also a dual citizen because he was born in New Jersey, but then raised in Toronto. So he kind of hmm. has a different worldview than most people. Yeah, an outsider's view. Yep. It's a slightly not American view <laughs> <laughs> from the guys in Toronto. There's still validity to that. 
like I said, I know less about Grandson than you guys do, but what I have heard, I have largely enjoyed. And so I would definitely be on board with you both in declaring that this is somebody that people should be seeking out to hear. Uh, heat seeking out to hear, KC. That's what they should be doing. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure KC's made a pun yet on this podcast. And so I'm trying to coax one out of them. And <laughs> I have to take that take that hit for you and get it get it going. Yeah, just in case people aren't aware, Casey is the punniest of us all. Uh, is, apparently not on this episode. <laughs> apparently not yet. We'll, we'll get him there. Uh, <laughs> so Grandson, all the more reason to appreciate this guy right now. He's been releasing a lot of singles lately, mostly featuring um, other artists. Sometimes they're acoustic. It's part of something that he's calling the XXY series, and that's two capital X's and the word Y. And what he's doing is uh, he's releasing collaborations one every month leading up to the 2020 election. And uh, ah. if you look up those songs on on wherever, Spotify or whatnot, you'll see that each of the song's titles ends with the phrase text voter XX to 40649. Yeah. And what happens is he's trying to encourage people to register to vote. And so that's an, it's, that's such a clever way. He incorporates that into the title of the song. And if you actually text that number, they will send you updates on how to register to vote in your area. So he's leading a collaborative music voting campaign for awareness. I'm very impressed by that as a, an inventive way of using your voice and your, the platform that you have. Yeah, yeah, like I said, he's he's definitely he's ahead of his game because he's using his platform, his social media and like his music to, you know, to just further his message, obviously. But like he, he just gets it. He's he doesn't have a full album. He just he's just a true modern day artist as you know, like the definition of. Yeah, I love this idea of doing these collaborations. He's, he's, he says he's creating conversations between creative types and kind of merging that ele- those elements of, of music creation and activism. And on top of that, he's been hosting his own podcast related to that series. Hey, 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 now. There's there's only so many rock podcasts to go around. <laughs> one million and one. Grandson, grandson doing number one million and one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll shout him out. Maybe he'll shout us out. It'll, it'll, that's an even trade, right? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably he's, not. He's, he's a bit more successful than us. Just a bit, but I, I respect what's going on right there. I may have to listen to that podcast and get some tips. <laughs> yep. So you will see Dreamers uh, featuring Grandson with the track Heat Seeker will show up on this week's Spotify playlist update. If you look in the show notes to our show, you will find a link to a Spotify playlist that we update every single week with mostly tracks by artists that were discussed during that episode. And then usually a handful of our own that we either discovered in the past week or two and just really enjoyed, or just things we thought were fun or our general favorites of ours that we wanted to share. So our podcast comes with its own active soundtrack and grandson will be a big part of it with this episode. We do what we can since we can't play music. <laughs> the way I see it is we we previously had a three hour radio show and now we can give people 
a close to an hour podcast and and a two hour Spotify playlist. It all kind of balances out. That's the way I'm thinking. There you go. But nonetheless, the moral of that story is listen to Grandson. And we appreciate artists using their voice for things like this. There's a comedian that I follow, which I think this is the second or third time in a row that I've mentioned comedians on our show. I don't I just apparently follow too many stand up people. But anyway, this guy posts frequently hilarious videos, but also political commentary about the things that he observes. And every time he posts something that, well, I don't want to say political commentary. I want to say social commentary because not everything, because making things political often robs them of their nuance and of their importance by trying to turn it into like a left or right issue. But that to say, anytime he posts something that is a social issue and has any possibility of controversy to it, he gets people telling him, you know, to stick to the comedy and to be quiet. And a number of times he's pushed back and he's like, listen, if me, you know, making you laugh at a stupid video is is more important than me expressing like concern over my life or things like that, then there's something kind of wrong going on here anyway. Like, basically, he's the kind of person who will tell you, like, you know, you could go ahead and quit following me if you're that worried about it. But if you if you want to be engaging with me, you're going to get both whenever the time is appropriate for both. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's something that goes for musicians, too. I think it's funny how certain artists know that they can talk because they, you know, came up in a political band like Tom Morello, for instance, comes to mind. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but he Tom Morello came under fire recently under Twitter for something he said. And basically all the comments were like, who are you to talk about this? And he's like, yeah, maybe we should refer to somebody who graduated from Harvard with like a degree in political science. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what are your credentials, Tom Morello? Well, I've protested all over the country and various places around the world for the last 20 or 30 years. <laughs> Got a little bit of experience <laughs> and also education. I've literally raged against the machine this whole time. Right. Yeah. What's my qualifications? I'm from a band called Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> <laughs> we literally made a career out of having opinions and taking action on these kind of things. <laughs> well, and that's what I find so funny, though, is like, you know, okay, so. If your band came up and you were known as a political rock band, then it's okay for you to talk out. But somebody like Lizzie Hale takes all kinds of flack because she says something about, you know, being a woman in, in today's world or, or whatever might be the case. And it's like, and they all, you know, all the comments are, who are you to say what you're saying? It's like, well, she's a woman. Uh, she probably knows what it's like, you know? Right. But I think that's what's so funny because, you know, Eddie Vedder is is very well known for being very political and a lot of people are saying all the time to him like well who are you to talk about well you know he has a platform he has an audience and followers and people that that follow him for how awesome of an artist he is and thankfully he is choosing to use that platform and talk out against atrocities that he sees and, and things like that that's one reason why i do like artists like grandson because they immediately come into the the scene knowing that this is a platform or a way to get their message out and and he utilizes that to its fullest at his concerts and his music and his lyrics, everything he does. Yeah, I think if you hear people tell like athletes or somebody, for example, like, you know, who are you to talk about that? Why do you have an opinion? Well, like, well, they have an opinion for the same reason anybody else does. It's just that they have a bigger platform to share it on. Whereas with musicians and stuff, it's like these guys are artists. Their job is to reflect and express what they observe about the world 
And so especially when it comes to to music and pro- protest music and stuff has been a thing since popular music became a thing. I would say it's probably been a thing since humans existed, to be honest. You're probably right. Yeah. I mean, I was only thinking as far back as like a Bob Dylan or something started. And and yeah, but you're right. It's I mean, it's been a bigger thing since since well before that as well. And so the idea that you shouldn't have a voice because you have some degree of celebrity, I think is kind of nonsense. Now, I think what celebrity voices a person listens to, that may be something that's worth discussing, because I don't think all of those voices uh, carry the same weight or thoughtfulness behind them. But in terms of the right to express it, I mean, what right do you have to express your opinion as much as literally anybody else? Yeah, well, I I feel that way with with our radio show. You know, it's not that we have that many listeners, but I feel that if I have a platform and I feel strongly against something, I'm going to use it and talk out about it. And I remember there was one person that did say something uh, one time in our just in our Facebook feed on a a meme that I shared. It's like, yeah, it's just stick to the music guys. It's like, well, the music that we play is political too. So I don't know what, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so pretty much that following week, that's all I played was political songs just to be a <laughs> dick, to be honest. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, rock and roll came out of rebellion. Like that's one of the founding like principles of a lot of rock music. If you're not into the idea of people yelling and screaming and playing loud guitars, to rally against something or rally for something, then it's probably not the genre you need to be following. Exactly. So I watched School of Rock this past week, and then oh, they, yeah. they have rock history. And I, I was watching that, and I was just thinking, every school needs to teach <laughs> this, or just at least music history in, in general. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be just focused around rock music, but I think it would be very awesome if if you got that kind of history on any kind of music, and then maybe spend like a week on rock music. Yeah, I think that would be, a, you know, so. I'm thinking of it this way. You know how when you take a gym class uh, in school, at some point during the year, you're also always going to take a break for a few weeks of health. And they'll teach you about anatomy and hormones and whatever. I don't know. Um, but I feel like music classes in school should be the same thing. We're like, we're not just going to teach you how an instrument works, but we're going to teach you like what music does like on a guttural sense, not even just music theory, but like here's the history of of music and why it matters. And yeah, definitely get some rock and roll in there. Especially if you want to inspire kids to play stuff. I think that there's things they could latch on to. If they hear about somebody and they're like, man, that dude is my hero now, it might inspire them to want to play that guitar or glockenspiel or whatever the heck. <laughs> woodblock. Yeah, it might inspire them to, to be like uh, George Michael Bluth and play the woodblock. <laughs> or a cowbell. Yeah. Yeah, the world could use more cowbell right now. Oh man, that might need to be our our end tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. We are the itch and until next week, more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, this week our flavor of the week is a band called Red and their most recent album called Declaration. Kind of playing off of what we mentioned before. This is something I think is interesting. So you were talking about how grandson was doing those EPs and how also uh, now he's doing this like song a month thing. I know. And and part of the benefit is it helps you to stay on top of things in terms of like current events and whatnot. I don't know if that's what Red was part of what Red was doing. I can mention somebody else that did something similar, which because I want to bring him into as many episodes as I can. 
is that uh, Weird Al Yankovic stopped releasing full-on albums sometime in the past decade because he realized that with the speed at which music moves these days, by the time he made a parody of a song, uh, like a hit single, it was no longer a hit single, and so it felt dated. Right. He was like, I'm probably not going to release full studio albums again. I'm probably going to release smaller things going forward so that they can be more timely. So Red, the reason I connect that is because about a year prior to the release of this album declaration, they had announced that they were no longer signed to Sony Records and that they were going to be going independent. And so it seemed like their plan initially was to kind of do something similar and say, we're just going to release singles here and there, maybe an EP if we've got a few good singles put together at the same time. And from what I gather, and, and we can maybe post uh, an interview that I, we had made note of sometime to expound on this further. But from what I gathered, the response from their fans um, was so positive to what they were releasing out and, and so encouraging them to release more. Basically, they're like, OK, fine, then we'll we'll take these things we've been releasing. We'll work on a few more tracks and we'll get a full album out of it because that seemed to be what their audience was asking of them is basically the idea. OK, now, if that is the case, which I'm not saying that's not the case. <laughs> they only released two new songs. So, yeah, your fans are going to be like, uh, we want more like this is this is not enough. Like, come on, not even an EP is two songs. So like even their EP had two brand new songs that had a cover song and then had two live songs. And I got this EP because I thought I was all excited. I mean, it's a brand new song. I heard the evening hate and evening hate is a great song. And that was released about a year ago, by the way. Yeah, the EP itself was released November 1st of 2019. Okay. As I say, I was looking them up online. The The single, The Evening Hate, came out in last June. And then that EP a few months later. Okay. Yeah, so if you release a single in June and you release the EP out in November, like, why not just hold out for the album that was released April 10th and... I think that's what made me so mad about this declaration. It was a great album. Don't get me wrong. I actually really love this album, but it made me so mad because I, you know, rushed out to get the EP as soon as I heard they had new music because I'm one that wants to share music, especially with bands like Red that people don't really know about. Mm. You know, I want to try to get their their music out there as quickly as possible. So I got the Evening Hate. I played the song and then they're, you know, they released this album and I'm <laughs> listening to it. And I'm like, wait a second. That's from the other album. Oh, that one's from the <laughs> other album, too. So you're disappointed because whereas a lot of their fans said, yeah, we we want a full album, not just some singles. When you hear new music from Red, you were hoping for new songs and not the stuff that they had already released. You wanted an album full of new stuff and you got an album that was like half new stuff. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, because I think that if you're getting such feedback from a song that you released in June and they announced October 11th is when they announced that they were going to release the Evening Hate EP. And so I just feel like for one, that's a lot of time in you know, June to October. That's what, five months? It's a long time for four months. It's enough time <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I'm sure that they were getting great feedback because, like I said, it's a great song. But I think that if they were getting such feedback and, and they felt that way when they released the EP, then maybe they should just held on to it and then released a whole album altogether with, you know, that that time would be featuring all new songs 
you know, because or you could release a single, you know, because don't people still release singles like you could release a single with the hemorrhage covered. Hey, boom, there's a single. So I, I don't know. I think that's what made me mad because I was all excited. I went out, got the Evening Hate EP and it was great, but it only had two songs on it. You know, it was two new songs out of five. And then Declaration comes out not even six months later. And here we are. Mm-hmm. It's two of the same songs and it doesn't <laughs> even feature the single like, OK, so like the only way you can get hemorrhage now is on that EP, which, oh, I guess I'm glad I got it now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on that note, I, I did listen to Declaration, the album, a couple of times in the past week. I didn't actually end up listening to hemorrhage, which is their cover of Fuel, probably the biggest song by Fuel. Is it a good cover? We've talked a lot about covers a couple of weeks ago when we did In This Moment. So how, in your judgment, how does Red do on covering other rock bands? They didn't really change it at all. Um, at least the cover of the rock band. It's pretty much just his voice over the exact music. I mean, it's maybe a little bit more acoustic-y than the way it was before. The, so their previous album, Gone, was a fantastic album. I absolutely loved that album. And it featured one of my favorite cover songs that they did, a song called Unstoppable. I did not actually know this was a cover song until I heard the original version. Who It's a, a pop star, uh, Sia, I believe. So it's a very, very popular song. And so when I heard the pop version of it, I knew, obviously, I re- that's when I realized that the Reds version was a cover. I could see that um, being a more interesting cover since they were covering a pop song rather than covering Fuel. Fuel being a band that I'm not going to say that Fuel and Red have the same sound, but they're in the same general family of this kind of right. alternative sort like hard rock kind of thing. And so like if you're covering somebody whose style is very much different than your own, it's probably going to be a lot more interesting than if you're covering somebody whose style is very similar to your own. Yeah. Casey, did you listen to that song? Yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you guys. I hearing that they did a very faithful version of that song is boring to me. <laughs> um, I just, if you're going to cover a song, I feel like you need to bring something of yourself to it. I'm not a fan of completely faithful renditions of tracks. It doesn't make any sense to me that you would release that. And more often than not, what that does is just make me want to hear the original even more. Like a couple years ago, when Weezer released Africa, I thought it was a fine cover of Africa. But most of the time when I heard it, I wanted to hear Toto. (laughs) (laughs) And for my part, in terms of, of thoughts on the band Red and the album Declaration, that was how I felt about them in general in their sound. I thought that their, that their particular brand of this alt metal kind of stuff reminded me of a number of other bands that I already like, but less in a way that was like, Oh, Hey, cool. There's another band that's in that realm and more in a way that made me want to go listen to them, (laughs) which is unfortunate. Hopefully other people don't have the same reaction, but that was mostly how I felt as I listened to declaration. And so you had mentioned that this was their first, the newest album, Declaration, was their first album away from Sony. We were talking about this kind of before the recording started, and that it's not necessarily that they were just signed with Sony, but they were signed with a record label called Essential Records. And that, is, that mm-hmm. I think, is hilarious that apparently because Essential Records is considered a Christian rock label, this band has been deemed a Christian rock band. And I'll be quite honest, I 
I've listened to their, you know, their last three or four albums and I, I would have never guessed that they were a Christian rock band until I read the Wikipedia of them. That's a great topic in terms of like what constitutes someone being a, a, a quote Christian band. I mean, essential is a very prominent label in what's quote unquote Christian music. And red's been there for like 15 years or something almost, but they're not, they're not a band that, uh, how do I put this? They're not a band that's lyrical content is super overt about what their faith and where they're coming from compared to what you may stereotypically think when you hear the word Christian rock band, because there are other bands in the same vicinity Skillet being one of them as well, that their mission in their music is just a little bit different than a lot of other bands that fall into that label. Yeah, I I agree. Like one of the bands that I I remember being a very, very heavy Christian rock band is a band called Haste the Day. Yeah. Their name is derived from a lyric in the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Huh. I did not know that. So yeah. And the only reason I know this is because when I first saw Haste the Day was on the Saints and Sinners tour, and it was the Haste the Day was the Saints, and Hollywood Undead was the Sinners. (laughs) (laughs) Kudos to both of those bands for touring together. That's pretty sweet. It was actually a really good concert. I I did enjoy uh, listening to Haste the Day, but... I will agree that I don't necessarily think a label makes you a a Christian rock band. I think, isn't that what happened to Chevelle when they first got signed? I think Chevelle's story is a little different because in terms of of Red, I think that they are Christians and that their music, if you look carefully into their content. So, for example, um, their third album is called Until We Have Faces, which among at least a number of things, probably till we have faces is the, is the title of a book by CS Lewis, who is a very famous, prominent writer. And he's not a theologian per se, but he's one of the most famous writers in, in Christianity. He's a theologian of love. He is a theologian. of love. <laughs> <laughs> CS Lewis actually wrote a book about love specifically. Yeah, the, the philosophy. Of of, yeah. The philosophy of love. But <laughs> that to say, um, that people, I think people can manifest their faith in different ways in what they're singing about. And so, uh, with Chevelle on the other, on the other hand, I know their first album was with a label called Squint. And ever since then, it seems that, put it this way, I think I could dig in and find things in Red's music that where I could say, I can see where their faith is in this song. I don't know that I could do that with Chevelle anywhere except maybe the first album and maybe grab thy hand from a, wonder what's next. So I don't know if it's a thing where, you know, their worldview changed over the years or they were just kind of mislabeled. They kind of, maybe it could be a thing where like squint offered them a contract and they took it, even though it wasn't, they weren't trying to get into that like Christian rock world per se. Well, and we've talked about this before. I hate subgenres of rock. There's no reason to label yeah. Christian rock. There's no reason to label anything differently other than just rock music so that's why if you listen to our radio show there's never a time when we'll be like oh yeah that's the christian rock band red right <laughs> well and just looking on wikipedia genres they have listed our alternative rock alternative metal christian rock christian metal hard rock post grunge and new metal that's just all too for much. red that's too much work that's why i'm just <laughs> calling them you know a hard rock band exactly yeah, exactly exactly now, in terms of the album, I will say 
this album is everything I was wanting from the In This Moment album. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I like that our show has so far so much continuity with other episodes and we reference back to them. So what is it that you were wanting from In This Moment that you didn't get until you heard this Red album? Well, as I talked about during that album, I, I'm a huge fan of Maria Brink. She's got an amazing voice, and I really like when she lets go. And I think that was just a very harmonic album from her. I didn't like that there was not at least one track or two tracks where she just kind of let go and, and just screamed the whole entire track or whatever. And I felt that like this album, this declaration album, it starts with that all for you. It's just in your face kind of I'm doing this for you like kind of situation. <laughs> Again, I don't mind screaming and the lead singer, Michael Barnes, is really good at it, but. On this particular album, he almost screamed like five different ways. Like he kind of had a Chester Bennington feel on a couple of songs. He kind of had a Ben Burley feel and then um, a Slipknot. Uh, the Slipknot versions of the, the guttural, I, I didn't think was as good as the other types of screaming that he did on the album. So here's here's something to relate exactly to what you're saying. I'm glad Dan mentioned Chevelle earlier. You just mentioned Breaking Benjamin and Linkin Park. And I, in the notes that I made on this album, I compared them to all three of those bands at different times. Yep. Um, so, so I look at the track, The War We Made. And when I listened to that track, I was like, this sounds like mid-2000s Linkin Park without Mike Shinoda rapping in it. Right. And there was a number of other times when I'm like, this sounds a lot like Breaking Benjamin kind of guitar stuff, especially post-return. Breaking Benjamin, because they kind of were on hiatus for a while. Right. And then even to speak to the scream, the, the track Cauterize, he screams a lot as well. And every time I hear him screaming that, I just, this could just be me, but he sounds like the kind of guy who's about to blow out his vocal cords from doing it wrong. Yes, yes. Probably not true for a band that's been around for, for over 15 years. If he's been doing it this long, he's probably okay. But that's the sound that I hear. Right. And so it, it's unappealing to me. <laughs> I totally agree with that. It's really funny that you mention it sounding like other people, because the only note that I have for a song called Only Fight is that I'm not going to lie. When I first heard this song, I thought it sounded like the lead singer of Finger Eleven was singing it. I actually checked the album for guest vocals because I thought it was a Finger Eleven song. It sounds like Finger Eleven to me. Yeah. The guttural screaming, I didn't think was as good when he when he does the melodic screaming like a Chester. I think it it comes across better. It's interesting you mentioned Only Fight, because um, my note on that one was that it was one of a number of songs that I, I felt had Chevelle kind of vocals. And we've, we've talked in previous episodes about how Chevelle is one of my favorite bands. And so that's why I say there were a lot of points on this album that made me want to listen to Chevelle, because there was similar sounds, but I found the work that Chevelle does to be more engaging to me personally. I think that Infidel has a lot of a Chevelle sound to it in the riffs and the vocals. And I think Only Fight does as well. I have to say, I think this entire band library is almost influenced by Chevelle. I, ever since I've ever heard of this band, I've always associated with them with Chevelle. And it could be that, you know, Chevelle's one of their biggest songs is a song called Red. I don't know, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not entirely impossible that they named themselves after that song. In terms, if you just look at the pure timeline, I seriously doubt it. But <laughs> well, and even how the band's name is written, if you look at it, it's it's almost kind of the font that Chevelle uses. It's just in a different format or layout. Mm. Do you guys have like a favorite track on this album? 
my favorite thing on the album that I heard was in the track, The Victim. So again, this is still a thing where I feel like I'm just hearing other bands, but there's a part of it that has this very strong Alice in Chains vibe to me. Yes. And that that was the most interesting thing on the whole album. That was my favorite thing. I was like, if they went down that road a little bit more, I think I might be able to appreciate them more in the future. So that would be my highlight was The Victim. My favorite song on the album, I believe, would be the uh, the War We Made. A lot of their tracks on this album, I kind of pictured it being a part of like a fight scene in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually was a huge fan of The War We Made. It's funny, though, because when I f- was first listening to it, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, man, this is almost overproduced. There's just a lot of string music in the background. And so I'm shuffling through the book. Because, you know, one of my first thoughts is like, okay, it's fine to have all that kind of sound on a studio album, but how's it going to sound live? You know, are you going to have like background tracks, your live versions, you know? But apparently, if you look in the book, they actually have two violins, a viola and a cello player on this entire album. Yeah, I was going to say there's there's multiple tracks that have string elements in them. Which was, yes. was another one of those things that, that made me feel like they were kind of hodgepodgey because I, then I started thinking of Skillet in that regard. I was like this hard rock band with some slightly symphonic kind of stuff going on in the background. Yeah. Um, I will say as someone who did see them live that they put on a pretty good, maybe muscular is the word to use performance. I don't remember that much of it because it's been a, quite a while and I wasn't familiar with them at all at the time. But I do remember kind of thinking that they had almost a disturbed kind of thing going to them in a good way. Not only because the singer was also a bald guy, but <laughs> they had a disturbed visual as well. But, but I think that they were to answer your question that you were sort of posing. I can't speak to the symphonic part of it, but the rest of the band, I recall sounding really good live. So I, I will definitely give them that. And depending on when you saw them, they probably didn't have i mean i'm not familiar with their earlier albums but i know that their last two at least including gone and this album declaration uh have just featured a lot more symphonic sounds one thing i will say is i actually kind of respect the fact that they didn't just use like a keyboard and just say oh that's our keyboard player or whatever they actually brought in real violin players and real viola and cello players for the for the true sound that they were looking for yep which I can definitely respect doing that rather than just doing it all like digitally or whatever. Yeah. And I have to say that the whole album was great. I, I, there's not really one bad song. It wasn't, you know, I didn't get to a song. I was like, oh, I got to turn this song off. It, it, they're all very <laughs> good in their own right. I wouldn't say that they're all like single worthy because some of them are kind of, you know, they just kind of fade in the background or so. But I think that there are a lot of great tracks on this album. And I, I do think that if we end up going back to the studio and having a top 20 countdown at the end of the year, this will probably end up close to the top of my list anyway so far. Yeah, I was going to speak to the fact that not too many songs off of this album grabbed me as much as Gone, like their previous album, like a lot of their tracks on Gone kind of stood out a little bit more, I think. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. It doesn't mean that the that these songs on this album are bad, just it doesn't have the same oomph. Yeah, it's nowhere near as strong as the last album. And I think because of the albums that had come out that year, it made our top 10, but it didn't get like top five. I, I don't know. I, it depends. It's kind of the same thing. I really like this album. I don't think it's as great as their last album, but I think that it's a strong album in comparison to other albums that have come out this year. Yep. It seems that Gone... Maybe you guys have opinions on this. 
that whereas this one seems to have gone a little more in that sort of symphonic area, it seems like Gone had a little more of a, like an electronic yes, kind yes. of thing going on. You thought that was like a good addition to their sound? It was a good mix. I'm, I think the thing with Declaration is it just kind of, like you said earlier, it, it was kind of a, a weird meld, like kind of a hodgepodge, like, okay, now we're symphonic. Okay, now we're screaming. Okay, just kind of yeah. chopped together. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's bad. I'm not trying to blast it. I don't think I like it as, as much as you guys do, this this Declaration album. But I, I will say that I'm I'm a fan of bands that really feel like they have their own identity. Yeah. And this is a band, or at least on this album. I can't speak to all their albums because they have seven. And this is the first one I've listened to start to finish. So I'm putting that out there for my own ignorance. But I can say that this album doesn't feel like it's a band that has its own identity. It feels like a band that has a lot of very obvious influences, which can be okay. It doesn't That doesn't work very well for me personally, though. Well, I think that's one reason why they've never really gained popularity because you're right i don't think they have like a unique sound i think that they sound like every other band or a lot of other bands i should say not every other band but they do sound like a lot of other bands and i think because of that it just has never really made them unique and never really gotten them the recognition that they should have after releasing as many albums and probably touring as much as they most likely have yeah they've done plenty of work and i'll give a band credit we were talking a little bit uh, previously about bands that kind of are regular <laughs> and I, I have appreciation for bands that are regular. And this is a band that since 2006 has put out an album every two, three years tops like clockwork. When you, when you've been, your first album came out 14 years ago and you've got seven albums, like you're, you're rapid fire working right there. And so I, I you got to respect work ethic. I think I love workhorse bands. They're some of my favorite bands. You were talking pre-recording about great workhorse bands like nine point and seven dust that just like you said they almost put out an album almost every other year and i i love that because you, you're almost guaranteed to know when the next song or the next uh album's coming out you're guaranteed to know when they're going to be able to see them live again it's great if you're a big fan because you know that you don't have to have an enormous gap of time to wait for their next thing <laughs> and and even maybe even nicer if they put out an album you don't like that much you can be like yeah eh, Two more years and I'll get another one <laughs> and all will probably do well. <laughs> exactly. Or you could be a fan of Tool and wait 15 years. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> For both the Perfect Circle and Tool albums. Or such as myself, System of a Down. Same thing. <laughs> and to tie it back into to subjects from earlier in the episode, the world could really use a band like System of a Down right now. If there was ever a time that bands like System of a Down or Rage Against the Machine would need to reunite, it would be now. Hey, Rage tried, and then the <laughs> pandemic knocked them back out. So I at least give them credit for doing that. They they found wherever Zach De La Roca had been, you know, holing up and, and somehow got him back out into the public. Had been sheltering um, in place way before it was cool. <laughs> Zach's been sheltering in place for most of a decade. He just comes out to do a song with, with Run the Jewels every now and then. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. <laughs> But yes, that to say, we need rage and we need system. <laughs> and so, guys, let's get your crap together here, okay? <laughs> we need your help. But that has nothing to do with Red. We've gotten very off topic. <laughs> Dan has decided that, that Red would be high on his list of top albums of the year as of right now. And, and now we are officially into month six of the year. So we're almost halfway. And 
man, I, here's what's interesting to me in terms of, of the itch always does a top 20 at the end of the year with the quarantine happening. I'm wondering if we'll see a, just a general substantial decrease in album releases by the end of the year. That's what I'm wondering as well. I don't know. I'm beginning to think that. Yeah. Or will bands find ways to, to overcome that and do things it is certainly possible to make albums almost entirely separate and digitally. But man, if you're a rock band, you want to be together and rehearsing right. stuff together and in the same room for that energy. I don't know. I think that the pickings will be fairly slim by the end of the year compared to most years in terms of pure volume. And yeah. so uh, talking about new albums and uh, run the jewels apparently has a new album out called RTJ four. Yep. Run the jewels names their albums in number. And so they released a music video and Zach made a cameo in it. Nice. I didn't know that. I'm super grateful for Run the Jewels existing because they've somehow managed to get <laughs> Zach back out and doing things because he's just seems so reclusive and you always hear rumors of him doing stuff. Like you remember one day as a lion happened, that was like a, a four or five song EP and it was like 10 years ago. And it was great. Oh, it was so great. And that was the most. Zach De La Roca has done since Rage Against the Machine broke up. I think you're right, though, Aaron, because like the only thing that I see and I know that I've seen a couple of new music from. Uh, oh, uh, like Shinedown has a new song out. I know that Bush has a new song out. I only see that Bush is releasing an album on July 17th, but I do not see anything else evenly remotely related to us. There's very little. Uh, Van Weezer is sometime going to come out and static X's project regeneration and not a whole lot more super notable stuff immediately on the horizon. We have fun taking shots at bands here and there, but at the same time, the podcast is called rock matters for a reason. And part of that reason is to shine a light on things that we think are worthy of having brighter lights shined on them. And so not that we are a bigger light than most bands, because we are the opposite of that. But anything that one can do to help draw attention to cool things, I think is good. And so that's part of why this show exists. And so we're we're not going to spend a whole lot of time discussing bands that we don't actually care to hear or recommend to people. For the most part, we talk about a band, if it's in the negative, it's usually going to be because we're disappointed in them or <laughs> because we expected more or occasionally because they're hilariously inept at life or because we were forced to see them live. So much so that we should probably beep out the band Neon Trees. <laughs> I'm going to bring the sensor back. Last time I tried to bleep something out on this podcast, it didn't work. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I do. Apparently, I'm not good at bleeping things out. So. <laughs> so you guys let me know if you agree with this statement or not. I would say that in the short history of Rock Matters, it seems that this red album declaration has got the most mixed reviews amongst the three of us it seems that that dan's a big fan casey is in the middle yeah and i'm probably not going to listen to it again <laughs> that's not an insult it really isn't it's just it's just the facts there's so much music out there that is good I, i've listened to this one enough to know that it's not for me listen to gone i'll yeah. listen to gone and then i'll report back to you guys later on that probably not on the podcast itself but we can still talk about it because <laughs> we talk about music a lot 
on the chat <laughs> on the chat in that group text let me just recommend to any listener out there find your rock music loving friends and start a group text it's worth your while <laughs> I, I have to agree with that like you should literally have different chats open with your friends for different things. Like if you got rock friends, you have a chat open for those. You have sports friends. You have a chat open with those friends. Like I, I do. I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think, in fact, you're in both those chats. <laughs> I think we're all three in both of those yes. because we're all each other's sports friends. So. Yes, this is correct. Yeah, we have a, a great group test going on with each other about all kinds of stuff, but we definitely keep it rock related and it's a lot of fun. And that's because, like we've said on previous episodes, we're all about engaging and continuing a conversation about music. And that's something we want to do with you, the listener, as well. Casey, do you want to debut publicly our newest form of social media presence? We are now on Twitter. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we are now on Twitter. You can find us at twitter.com slash itchrocks, also facebook.com slash itchrocks, or itchrocks at gmail if you're the kind of person who wants to email us. I'll be honest, we checked that the least. <laughs> so the others are more effective. We would love to hear from you on Apple Podcasts, where you may leave a wonderful review. We've gotten a couple more, and I'm very excited about that. So yeah, reach out to us. Follow. We, we follow back. We like to see things that are going on in the music world, and we like to share them and interact with people about them. It's one of our favorite things, hence the existence of all of this and the time that it takes in our lives every week. It's worth it. We appreciate the feedback, and we appreciate the listens. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. It's been very humbling. And don't forget about that Spotify playlist. I mentioned it earlier. We will have new music being added to it with the release of each episode, so we can actually share music with you. Even though we can't particularly play music within this show for our own fun, we can still share playlists with you. You've been listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock, rock on. on. I'm doing this for you. <laughs> <laughs>